Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about men in black intimidating UFO witnesses. That's correct, men in black intimidating UFO witnesses. Well, at least one witness anyway. In this article, we're talking about a former Marine who says he is currently uh, undergoing a campaign of harassment by men in black because he has spoken out about his own UFO experience. And this article comes to us from the dailyrecord.co.uk. It says, ex-U.S. Marine who exposed UFO encounters says he's being threatened by men in black. Now, that's their words, not mine. Former U.S. Marine Corps rifleman Michael Herrera claims his house is being regularly flown over by unmarked helicopters. Now, there you go with the, with the black helicopters again. The article is written by Michael Moran. It says, and Ruth Suter dated uh, July 19th, 2023. It begins, it says, an ex-Marine who claims his unit stumbled across a secret military meeting with an alien spacecraft, says he is being threatened by men in black. Michael Herrera feel, fears he will be killed by sinister forces that he claims are trying to cover up the Pentagon's UFO secrets. He was part of a U.S. Navy humanitarian mission during the 2009 Sumatra earthquake, reports the Daily Star, but after he was reportedly ambushed by a paramilitary unit, he was searched and had his camera removed from him by what he says was soldiers in black. Now that's strange. Normally we hear about these guys wearing, you know, black uh, suit pants, black suit jacket, white shirt, black tie, sunglasses and hats, maybe fedoras. Don't normally think of these men in black as just soldiers dressed in black. But anyway, Herrera was warned several times not to tell anyone about the strange flying saucer aircraft he witnessed in the Sumatran jungle. He told his story last month after remaining quiet for several years at a briefing hosted by Dr. Stephen Greer's Disclosure Project. Now, I have to say, Dr. Stephen Greer is a little bit of a lightning rod to a lot of people, although I think he does bring a lot of attention uh, to the subject. It says, I've had numerous encounters with blank heli expletive helicopters hovering over my house. They were hovering over my dad's house too, Michael said. They get so low where they rattle the walls and scare the expletive out of the animals that we've got. My dad's dogs were going expletive crazy at that point, and he was concerned because he was home and he was like, I've never heard anything like that. So, you know, that could be pretty intimidating to have one of these uh, large military helicopters flying over your house. It's not like a, you know, a simple little chopper or something. These things do make an awful lot of noise, and I don't know how big the ones were that he has. Now, they have a picture here, apparently, of the craft, uh, of a illustration of the craft that he, that he claims to have saw. Kind of a saucer-shaped craft with the dome on top. Looks like four engines, or three engines at least, that you can see here from on, the, on the corners of this thing. Michael said he shot video footage of the unmarked black helicopters, and he knows that other UFO whistleblowers, even people within the U.S. government, have been subjected to the same kind of intimidation tactics. Well, you remember recently uh, Senator Marco Rubio talked about uh, whistleblowers telling him that they were in fear for their lives. He continued, there's just a kind of hysterical factor to this, how much money they're expletive spending on this to try to either intimidate me or anybody else for that matter. There's some elected officials and even some government officials I know they're having the same thing happen to them because they've told me about it personally. 
Living close, living close to Denver Airport. Well, that's interesting. Herrera remains optimistic that government contacts can help him trace the source of the mystery flights. He is concerned as he continues to talk about his UFO experience. The intimidation will escalate. I would just interject here. We've done a podcast on Denver Airport before. I need a lot of really strange uh, stuff involved in the construction of that site, and possibly even the operation of it. Uh, I myself would hold out no hope that anybody would ever be able to tell you if there were clandestine helicopter uh, flights uh, leaving from that leaving from that airport or coming into it. I mean, if they wanted to to, to uh, conduct uh, black ops, say, with helicopters, that might not be a bad place to do it from. He says, he added, I don't feel like harming myself. Everybody makes the joke. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, so the, th- so the same goes here. I don't have any reason to harm myself, so if anything happens, it's not for me. Sadly, we've had UFO investigators make those kinds of statements before and then end up uh, the victims of some very strange suicides. Let's just say that. Um, that's the end of that article. Now, I want to take another look at this uh, really concerning case involving uh, this ex-Marine here, Michael Herrera. Let's look at this next article concerning this uh, latest Marine whistleblower. Now, this one here is from the DailyMail.co.uk. Looks like it came out, I believe, back in June. Yeah, June 9th, 2023. So, you know, just over a month old, six weeks. I think it's. I think it is uh, a good time to look at this stuff with these upcoming um, hearings we've got going on. Now it says exclusive Marine vet breaks 14-year silence to make astonishing claim that his six-man unit saw a hovering octagonal UFO being loaded with weapons by unmarked U.S. forces who threatened them at gunpoint while serving in Indonesia in 2009. Now, this adds a whole different level to this claim. If he's saying that uh, U.S. military is loading weapons onto this UFO, it means one of two things. Either we've captured one of these things, reverse engineered it, uh, we've developed one of ourselves, you know, so that we're operating it ourselves, or that we are working in collusion uh, and cooperation with the aliens themselves. Either way, really scary stuff. Former Marine Michael Herrera tells DailyMail.com that he saw a UFO being loaded with weapons while serving in Indonesia in 2009. Herrera claims that Air Force Lieutenant Colonel told him, you're not allowed to talk about what happened. You will go to prison or you will die. He says he was emboldened to break his 14-year silence by new UFO whistleblower protections and in April testified under oath about his wild story. Now, that's interesting. He says he testified under oath. I'm not sure where he testified at, though. Now, this article is written by Josh Boswell. It says, A former Marine claims he and five comrades saw a flying saucer being loaded with weapons while serving in Indonesia in 2009 and was threatened at gunpoint by unmarked U.S. forces at the scene. The wild story comes after an Air Force whistleblower from the government's UFO office joined growing numbers of intelligence officials claiming the U.S. has recovered and is even reverse engineering crash-landed or non-human spacecraft. Michael Herrera was a 20-year-old rifleman sent on a Navy humanitarian mission during the 2009 Sumatra earthquake and tsunami that devastated the area. In an exclusive interview with DailyMail.com, he claims that while guarding an 
airdrop of aid supplies outside the city of Peidang in October that year, his six-man unit stumbled across a hovering octagonal craft in, in apparent use by clandestine U.S. forces. Now, the idea that we could have these things and be using them is pretty amazing. If that's the case, you have to ask yourself, why haven't they used them for warfare yet, or it, at least in large numbers? It brings something else up to for discussion, and that is if these things have anti-gravity properties, that means that there's all sorts of really cool things that this technology could be translated into, everything from flying cars to uh, free energy. And, you know, it brings up this discussion. Are Is this alien technology being kept from us because it, it's... Uh, it would cut into the profits of big oil and all these other tech companies that we were almost enslaved to at this point. He says, goes on the article, he's got some pretty cool pictures here. They've drawn some illustrations of it. This one's a little bit different than the other one had, but it's almost like a, it's, it's basically a saucer shape with a dome on top and then like a little pyramid at the very top of that. It says the craft is rotating in a clockwise motion while changing colors. It had an audible hum to it like the sound of a transformer or a guitar amp. It was an octagonal shape with a pyramid at the top of it that was black, Harari said. So we're getting into these strange collars again. I don't know, there's something about the collars that these things emit that seems to be connected with the energy of these craft. And then this whole notion of a pyramid on top. He goes on here, he says, After 14 years of silence, Herrera was emboldened by new UFO whistleblower protections and in April testified under oath to the government's UFO investigation team, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, as well as a Senate committee. Wow. After 14 years of silence, Herrera was emboldened by new UFO whistleblower protections and in April testified under oath to the government's UFO investigation team the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, as well as a Senate committee. You know, these guys are going under oath, and if they're not telling the truth, they could be they could be locked up for perjury. So, wow, high stakes. He provided his unblemished four-year service record and text about the incident with an alleged fellow witness who refused to talk, saying it was not worth my life or jeopardizing my family. I can't blame the guy for not wanting to talk about it. I really can't. Peripheral aspects of his account were verified by DailyMotion.com using military sources, but Herrera, 33, does not have documentation or photos of the incident itself. The Denver native joined the Marines fresh out of high school. He had been serving for less than two years when he was deployed to the Philippines as a member of the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit to help distribute aid in the wake of a typhoon. When a 7.6 magnitude earthquake struck Sumatra on September 30, 2009, his 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines Echo Company, 2nd Platoon, was rerouted to help guard helicopter A-drops around Padang City, beset by violence from local insurgents. Around, eight, around October 8th, he and five Marines were dropped off at a clearing in the northeastern part of the city by a CH-53 chopper and hiked 900 feet up a ridge to take their position for, incoming, for the incoming supply drop, Herrera said. It was then he spotted a strange object in the jungle on the other side of the hill. I could see something moving and rotating. It was changing colors between a very light matte gray to a very dark matte gray, he said. It's, 
It stuck out like a sore thumb. Oddly, he said they had not been given radios, so instead of calling it in, they edged down the hill in formation to investigate while Herrera snapped photos and video on his Panasonic camera. Weird, they hadn't gotten radios. Maybe these guys knew there was something in the area. I don't know. That seems strange to me. The thing was massive, the size of a football field, Herrera told Daily Motion. The craft was rotating in a clockwise motion. Changing colors, it had an audible hum to it, like the sound of a transformer or a guitar amp. It was octagonal in shape, with a pyramid at the top of it that was black. Now, he says here it was massive, like the size of a football field, but the illustrations really don't do it justice, I don't think, as far as the size goes. He says it had scales that were on the outside of the craft that covered the whole craft. It had seams and sharp edges, which I suspect to be man-made. Nothing on it was smooth. It had some panels on the vertical edges that were like Vanna Black. Not sure what that is. So I think what he's getting at here is this thing was reverse engineered. It goes on down. It has some pictures of him when he was a young guy. And then it goes on down here. Shows some shows some damage from the earthquake. You never know, maybe these things were connected somehow. People think so, I think. According to Aero Statistics, the UFO reports between 1996 and 2003, only 1% are like an octagon. 2% disc shape, while 25%, excuse me, 52% are orbs or spherical. However, an object shot down in February over Lake Huron, Michigan by F-16 fighter jets after the first missile missed was described as octagonal by Congress members briefed on the incident. Yeah, that was, a, that was the octagonal balloon released by the Balloon Club. Herrera claimed that when he and his five comrades got within 150 feet of the craft, they were ambushed by eight men wearing all-black camouflage, bulletproof vests wielding M4 rifles with high-end night vision attachments given to U.S. elite troops. They had their weapons drawn on us, he said. We could audibly hear their weapon safety levers flipping off safe. Doesn't sound very nice to be drawn down on your own guys with the safeties off. The first thing I was taught by my old man was only point a gun at something you intend to kill. And I found that to be good advice. Who the blank are you guys? What are you doing here? Two of them yelled with American accents, he said. They said we weren't supposed to be there and that they could kill us. As the men continued to threaten them, they took the Marines' weapons, dumped their ammunition, and scanned the military IDs. Herrera said he saw others loading large weapon cases and other containers from modified Ford F-350 trucks to, onto a platform beneath the craft. Sounds like there was some kind of miscommunication. These guys were sent up on this hill, 900 foot up in the air, whatever, or was it 900 meters, whatever he said. Anyway, they get up there and um, here comes this UFO in. And not only does this UFO land, but you've got a bunch of what looks like special ops troops. Uh, at the landing zone. When the last two trucks finished unloading and drove off, the lower part of the platform rose off the ground to about 10 feet, and the craft lowered to meet it, and it came together in one piece, he said. On the corners of the craft, it had lights that were changing between blue, red, yellow, and green. It rose off the ground in a little pass of trees, then shot off to our left toward the ocean at around 4,000 miles per hour. We can't believe this is blanking happening. From a dead stop, it didn't make any sound like a sonic boom. It didn't disturb the trees like rotor wash would. We would see coconuts on the trees, and none of them were disturbed. Herrera said the eight unmarked soldiers gave them back their unloaded guns and marched them back over the hill 
still telling us how they could kill us. Once we got over the hill, they told us to get the blank away from here and don't look back. It says the six Marines ran back to the aid drop site and were, and were scolded by their gunnery sergeant for returning early, Harris said, adding that they all kept quiet about the disturbing encounter. I was blank. I was expletive scared, the veteran said. I was thinking I could have been killed. How the hell am I going to explain this? Back on the USS Denver, Herrera's unit was debriefed by a rear admiral he didn't recognize. He said it was odd to have such a high-ranking officer there, and again, none of them mentioned the saucer and unmarked troops. Yeah, I don't think I would have either. A few days later, they were docked in Subic Bay in the Philippines, the Marine said. After an evening of drinking with his colleagues, he returned to find his camera's battery and card removed from his lock locker, along with his five comrades' phones missing. So in other words, they were doing some cleanup. In early December 2009, he was back at Camp Hanson in Okinawa, Japan. He was told to report to the office where he found an Air Force Lieutenant Colonel in full uniform but no name tag. He starts telling me, you're not allowed to talk about what happened. Not to your chain of command, not even a general, Harris said. You will go to prison or you will die. He told me to keep my mouth shut and slid a paper to me, which was an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. The only thing I can recall is that it said TS slash SCI. Top Secret Sensitive Compartmented Information, and it had Indonesia on it, and it had Indonesia on it. The rifleman said he signed He signed and was told to get the blank out of there. I ran to the barracks and haven't talked about it ever since. It's something I've kept secret for almost 14 years, but I've thought about it every single day. He left the Navy in October 2011. His certificate of release showing four years of active duty and medals for National Defense Service, Global War on Terrorism Service, Humanitarian Service, Sea Service Deployment, and a Sharpshooter Rifle Badge. Herrera made several million dollars as an entrepreneur and now runs a private security company called Valkyrie Eye. Well, that's something. I mean, he's made several million dollars running his own business. So you, you would think that he's he's got to be mentally stable enough to do that. Would he just make this stuff up for no reason? Would he just risk all the money that he's made uh, for a false UFO story? I mean, he's been testifying before Congress at, under oath. That means he's under the penalty of perjury. If he's lying about this, he could go to prison. They could take all of his stuff. Wow. Last year's annual military funding bill, the Defense Authorization Act, included a new clause allowing whistleblowers to report previously undisclosed UFO material, retrieval material analysis, reverse engineering programs to the Pentagon's AAR team without fear of prosecution for violating security oaths and non-disclosure agreements. Herrera said in 2017 he met UFO activist Dr. Stephen Greer at a conference and Greer helped persuade him to talk and connected him with congressional and AARO staffers earlier this year. Yeah, that probably would be the way to do it. Herrera is also planning to tell his story at a press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. on Monday, organized by Greer alongside four other UFO witnesses. Of course, this would have happened back in June. The ex-Marine claims his five former comrades are too scared to come forward. In an May 3rd text message, one wrote, This is asking too much of me, and it's not worth the risk. It's not worth my life or jeopardizing my family. I know we go way back, but this is asking too much. You need to get out of whatever you are in and don't get me involved with this mess. My career isn't worth helping you. Don't ask me to do this blank ever again. <laughs> I guess that's pretty much to the point, isn't it? Daily.com verified the sender was a Marine serving in the same unit in 2009. It sounds a bit like science fiction, but it actually is science fact, we are told DailyMail.com. 
These breakthroughs have been kept very, very secret, much, much to the detriment of the American people and the planet. We feel it's very important that the public understand this is not just a silly story about little green men. This has very significant implications for the environment, for energy independence, for global poverty. Greer and his organization, The Disclosure Project, gained international attention as well as derision in 2001 when he gathered 20 retired Air Force Federal Aviation Administration and intelligence officers at the National Press Club to tell their stories of extraordinary UFO and alien encounters. The 2001 conference did not spark congressional hearings as Greer hoped. Leslie Keene, an investigative journalist, who was the first to bring Air Force whistleblower David Grush forward to make his bombshell claims in her story in the engineering news site The Debrief this week, said she was skeptical of Greer's approach in an interview with The New Yorker in 2021. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand that Greer's got his issues, but if, if the only thing that he's doing is connecting these guys with uh, congressional aides, with congressmen, with senators, with, with the uh, AARO, I mean, the people that the government's put in place, it looks to me like he's being as prudent as he can. He's trying to get these guys to, he's giving them the best chance they have of telling what they know without being sently, sent directly to prison and being Julius Assange. I mean, so I don't, I don't know why she's being so critical of Greer here. I mean, you could put your differences aside for a minute about Stephen Greer and whether or not you like his personality or whether or not you uh, share the same beliefs he does about UFOs. There's a lot of things that Greer says that I, I particularly find a little bit weird. But if he's simply connecting these guys with uh, sitting congressmen, sitting senators, and letting him tell their story to these guys or to their aides in a format where they're protected from being locked up, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. There were some good people at that conference, but some of them were making outrageous, grandiose claims. King said, I knew then that I had to walk away. Okay, so I guess she's specifically here now, she's talking about something that happened 20 years ago, which... It's not really fair. It's not really fair to Dr. Greer. He got a bunch of these guys together. They had a big press conference. Some of them, some of them, you know, came out here and made a lot of claims that that they were like, "Oh, well, this is crazy." Well, maybe it was crazy. Maybe some of these guys were just disinformation agents. Who knows? But that's a totally separate thing that happened 20 years ago than what Greer's doing today, which is trying to connect some of these whistleblowers uh, with politicians that maybe he has an open door with. So, I mean. Uh, how else are they going to talk to these guys, really, and know that they're not going to get locked up? I mean, they can't come talk to somebody like me. I'm a nobody. they got to they got to find a celebrity like Greer, like Greer or somebody, or maybe find somebody who has an end to these politicians. I mean, how many phone calls a day do these congressmen take? So if Greer wants to facilitate that and maybe get a little bit of fame off of it, whatever. Whatever he can do to help these guys tell their story, whether the story is true or false, I mean, they're telling the story under oath, so they're taking a risk if it is false. But if Greer wants to facilitate that and do that in a legal way that helps these guys avoid uh, legal jeopardy, then I'm okay with that. And I don't think he probably deserves to be criticized because he had a UFO conference t 22 years ago and there were some people there that were found to be, uh, you know, not believable. It goes on here, it says, an article kind of finishes up. Uh, it talks about the Disclosure Project a little bit. And then it, they kind of do a little bit of a number on Greer here, uh, criticizing him. I, you know, I think anytime you're a big-time celebrity like that and you're out in the open, and you're going you're gonna to probably say things that people are going to disagree with. I'm just going to reserve my judgment on Dr. Greer. And, you know, if he's working to help people that were in the military that had 
that had experiences with these things, and if he's trying to help those people be able to tell their story without them being prosecuted for violating secrecy uh, acts, well, more power to him. Anyway, this guy is really an interesting uh, character. Uh, that was the tip was sent to me to, to me by a reader. I guess I just kind of overlooked him because there's so many of these guys coming forward. But the more you get into the story, and then the fact that they were able to contact the guy that was there with him when this happened, and this guy says, "No, I'm not going to talk about it." Even though he doesn't come forward as a witness, the uh, journalist did did confirm that yeah, this is a guy that was in the Sumatran jungle with him back in, you know, 2009, and he was there, but he won't talk about it. If nothing happened, you know, wouldn't you think this guy would just say, I was there, what are you talking about, nothing happened? So it adds a lot of credence to this uh, Herrera's uh, assertions that he was there, that he saw Americans loading uh, ordnance onto one of these UFOs and that they were threatened. Wow, crazy case. Anyway, I'll put the links on the Buy Me a Coffee website. And once again, thanks to everybody who supports the program over there. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And subscribe. Uh, to the program. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.